Don Jackson Blattner visits with us Thursdays at this time, and it's Thursday at this time. So let's say hello to Don again. Hi, Don. How are you? Uh, hey, how are you? Happy belated Valentine's Day to you. Thank you. We were talking earlier about, I saw one of these lists of like tips to live a happier and healthier life where you should read and meditate, listen to music, exercise, all that sort of thing. And uh, I, I, I wanted to bounce some of these bullet points off of you, if you don't mind. Yeah, I love it. I love lists like that. Well, yeah. Okay. You're good at making your own. In fact, this is actually a story from Newsweek, and they were talking about how many steps a person should try and take a day. And I think we've all heard the story about the reason we go for 10,000 is because the people that were making a, a, a ped, pedometer, a ped meter, uh, it was called the 10,000 steps meter, and it was just a marketing thing. But this article in Newsweek says 3,967 steps a day reduces the risk of dying from any cause. 3,900 steps. And 2,300 steps a day reduces the risk of dying from cardiovascular disease. People get discouraged if they don't hit 10,000 and maybe think, oh, I haven't done any good, and they don't try. But this says if you just hit 2,300 a day, that reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease. What's your thought about all of that, Don? Yeah, I, I love it, and I think it's a great message. Uh, anything is better than nothing is like the cry that I'm always saying is like people are like, you know, I only have five minutes. I only have 10 minutes. It's like, yes, that is exactly right. That is a wonderful place to start. Now, can more be better? Sure. We know that, you know, as your steps increase, you get even more benefits. But benefits do start even in, like you said, that 2,000 step a day range. And what's sad is so many of us don't even meet that because, you know, we go to our car that's right by our house. We drive to our work and we try and find the closest parking spot that we can find. We walk a few steps to work. We sit all day and then we come home. So the idea of really trying to do even just those little things to get those, you know, 2,500 steps of parking farther away and taking the stairs and all that stuff we always hear, it actually matters. Like, you know, it's not just hot air, right? Like it actually matters. So studies like this, to say, hey, you're going to get cardiovascular benefit doing it is very encouraging, and it's right. We talked earlier today also about the weight loss drugs like Wagovi for young people. I'm talking adolescents here as a way to keep them from falling into the grips of obesity. You should still exercise. You should still eat right. But what's your thought about prescribing weight loss drugs for young people? Hey, I'm a big fan of these medications for whether it's adolescents or adults. When it's a discussion with your physician and you are medically a candidate for this. Um, so, you know, that is the group of people this is for. Are they being abused by people who should not be taking them? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so I love the medication for the right individual with the conversation with their doctor. But I have to say anybody who's listening, thinking about it, taking it, no matter your age, the biggest side effect that is a negative with medications like this is the amount of muscle mass that people are losing. They're not just losing body fat, they're losing body muscle, which is a huge red flag for me to say, listen, you need to be having enough protein in your diet and weightlifting if you're going to take a medication like this. You just have to preserve 
that muscle mass or otherwise that is just doomsday. We need muscle people. This is like, you know, this is my thing, John. I'm always like muscle, muscle, muscle. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard you talk about that. But when I hear people talk about these weight loss drugs, I don't think I ever hear them say what you just said. It's not just enough to lose weight. You need to maintain muscle mass. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's going to be the hottest news story come in a year, two years. Once people have been on these long enough to see the side effects of uh, the negative muscle wasting. And it's easy to prevent with weightlifting and protein. Mm. Um, Last week, one of our listeners mentioned a recipe. Did you try that recipe? Oh, my gosh, yes. I have to thank this listener. I hope they're listening uh, because here's what they said. I was talking all about those baby peppers that I love, and then you chimed in saying you love the baby peppers. And a caller called in and said, listen, You need to cut these peppers in half, take cottage cheese with taco seasoning and blend that together and stuff those peppers with it. And I, I mean, my eyes were were like, yes, this sounds like a great idea. So I did sort of my own version of this. I took cottage cheese with taco seasoning, blended it smooth, filled these mini peppers up. I put a little bit more cheese on top and I put it in the broiler for about eight minutes. And I'm going to tell you, these are gorgeous looking. They look so craveable. It's eating cottage cheese and bell peppers. Like, it couldn't be even healthier. Like, I love that. And they were delicious. And so that was one of my Super Bowl contributions. And it's definitely going to be uh, in my roundup. So thanks to the listener who had that great idea. I thought you could eat them raw, right? I mean, what do you think about blending it up with the taco seasoning? And then, because the way you did it, how did... Did the um, pepper still maintain its rigidity? Were you you able to hold it, you know? Yes, you could still hold it because I just put it under the broiler, which if you don't use your broiler at home, it's the greatest thing. It's upside down grilling, basically, your broiler because the heat is in the flames are coming from the top. So it was uh, basically just enough to melt the cheese a bit uh, and then eat them. But, yes, they were still crisp. It wasn't, like, totally cooked down. But, yes, I love the idea of just even using those half of those little baby peppers as scoopers for a dip like that cottage cheese and taco seasoning or for guacamole or for salsa that you add black beans to. Uh, those little peppers, I mean, they're key. They're key. I love those, guys. 312-981-7200. You're already queuing up to ask Dawn your questions or make recommendations. 312-981-7200. You can call right now. You have a friend who wrote a story for today. Is that right? Yes, uh, she was interviewed for this story. It was such an interesting story, and I felt like I had to bring it to you because it was about our favorite food group that we love to talk about. Uh, well, let me guess. Beans. <laughs> yes, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this story is, like, perfectly on brand for us. We've got to talk about it. Um, it's just the coolest story. It was um, about a family in Italy. There's nine siblings. And they are the longest-lived family in record. And they have a combined age of 861 years. The oldest sibling is 109. And basically, they are a family who lives in one of these blue zones. And there's about five of these blue zones in the world. And the blue zone is basically people who are living extremely exceptionally long and healthy lives. Hmm. And they're being studied because we're like, what in the heck are these people doing? They're living so long. They're jumping rope at 100. Like, who are they? 
what are they doing? And so one of these families uh, in this blue zone in Italy was interviewed about, you know, their habits and what they're doing. And it uh, comes to find out that this family eats the same lunch every single day. And so they say, oh, my gosh, we've got to study this lunch. What are these people who live forever eating? And they have three things at their lunch every day. The first one is a three bean minestrone soup. So that right there goes to show you they're having protein from the beans that, you know, it's a plant protein, fiber from the beans, tons of vegetables. Uh, Then they have a slice of sourdough bread, which we've talked about. If you are going to enjoy white type bread, sourdough is the best version of that. And then, you know what they have at lunch? A glass of wine. And listen to the size of their glass of wine. Two ounces, which is basically a shot. And they're calling this a glass of wine. They have a shot glass of wine. And they have this every day. And, uh, you know, no surprise to me that you're having a lunch that has a ton of plants in it, variety of plants, which is great for gut health, which helps all of our body systems. No surprise to me because we know we should be eating at least a cup and a half of beans every week. So these people are eating way more than that. Lots of beans. Their uh, soup had garbanzo, pinto, and white beans in there. Um, No surprise to me that they're socializing at lunch, that they're actually making this lunch not something that they just eat by themselves, you know, choking it down in front of a computer. They're actually stopping their day and having lunch. And no surprise to me that by putting this lunch on repeat, they have a lot less stress about what they're supposed to be eating. And less stress is one of the main pillars of a lot of these blue zones is that they do things to actively reduce the amount of stress that they have in their lives. So I just, I thought that was like a lovely lunch. Three bean minestrone, garbanzo, pinto, and white beans, sourdough bread. By the way, I bought a loaf of sourdough bread from a bakery in Jefferson Park, Delightful Pastries. We had a visit with the baker and owner there because it was a punchki day, but she also sells oh, yeah. sourdough bread. I bet we went through that loaf of sourdough bread like that. It was so delicious. And her ingredients are whole grain, natural. I mean, she's very proud of her bread, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, so sourdough bread, three bean minestrone, and a two- to three-ounce glass of red wine every day. By the way, Don, 1.5 cups of beans a week does not sound like too much to me. That sounds very achievable. Yeah, you know what's great about that? That is a great starting point. You know, similar to our walking talk before, is like, would more beans be better? Sure. But a great goal for us is that 1.5 cups a week, um, that is a can of beans. So if you opened up a can of, say, garbanzo beans, rinsed them and drained them, kept them eye level in the fridge in like a clear container, and just randomly were like, oh, I'm going to sprinkle some in my salad tonight. I'm going to have some over here on... You know, this stir-fry night, I'll just add some beans to that, whatever. Uh, You could very easily get that one-and-a-half cups in, which is equivalent to about one can of beans a week. Don Jackson-Blattner is a registered nutritionist and dietitian. She is the author of hundreds of books about this. (laughs) What's the name of your book, Don? Uh, I like the hundreds. A couple of books, The Flexitarian Diet. So, you know, eating more plants but not having to give up meat completely. And Superfood Swap. Basically, eat what you want but make it with better ingredients. Ready to take some calls? Yeah, I love this. All right. How about Ed? You're on WGN Radio with Dawn. Ed, what can we do for you? 
Uh, so I'm on one of those weight loss medications, and I want to make sure I'm getting enough protein. So my question is, is what can I do to ensure? I mean, I'm doing one of those pre-made protein drinks, which is like 30 grams of protein in the morning. And then I try to just kind of eat protein during the day. But is there anything I can do better to ensure I'm getting the right protein levels? Well, first thing, I'm glad that you're even paying attention to this. That's very, very smart of you. And so protein at each meal, about 20 to 40 grams is the goal. And it sounds like you're paying attention to that. And so the idea would be is just at every meal that you're making sure that you're getting a lot, like four, five ounces of a protein so that it's adding up in total at the end of the day. Two, whatever your body weight is, times usually about 0.6 to 0.75. That's usually sort of the range that people get. So as long as you're having it every meal and snack, that's the first great step. And then if you wanted to do math and calculate, you could. And then I just have to make another plug for weight training. That protein is very important to preserve muscle mass, but you also need weight training um, whether that's you use your own body weight or you use, um, uh, you know, resistant bands or you actually use barbells, uh, the key is it, it takes both of those things to really preserve uh, the muscle. Don, uh, can you do the math on that for us again? So take your body weight times 0.6 and the, the product of that you should consume in grams per day of protein, something Perfect. like that? Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. So. Uh, 0.6 times your body weight is what you get for grams of protein per day as a target. Um, and that's like sort of the, the baseline. Uh, you can go a little higher than that for some people, 0.75. Um, and, you know, a lot of people don't like to do math. So, uh, you know, just making sure that you have protein at every meal and snack is a yeah. great, really, it is really a great first step because okay. most people, especially the morning, I got to say, if there is a time that you're probably screwing this up, Americans notoriously have low-protein breakfast, which is actually the most important time of the day to be eating protein, that it actually balances blood sugars and appetite all through the day. Right. Um, so, you know, look there first if you're like, oh, my gosh, this is so much math and information. What am I going to do? It's just focus on breakfast as your first opportunity to really get that protein in, whether it's cottage cheese or Greek yogurt or eggs or like a gentleman called and said he's having a protein smoothie, which you could add frozen fruit too and spinach too and flax seeds too and really get a lot of good nutrition in with um, that protein powder. Notice she didn't say bacon and sausage. Well, I just did, <laughs> I just did 200 times 0.6. That's 120. So if you're a 200-pound individual, then 120 grams of protein per day. Can you ask Dawn, we have been told that breakfast is the most important meal of the day, yet if you do intermittent fasting, you don't generally eat breakfast. What's the best uh, especially for losing weight? What is best, especially for losing weight? Okay, so the, the big thing is, is calling things breakfast, lunch, and dinner can get confusing to people who are doing intermittent fasting. So it may be better for you to call it meal one, meal two, meal three. But the idea is if you are doing intermittent fasting and just skipping breakfast and you know calling it a day, uh, it really isn't the smart move. It, your breakfast is just being pushed later so that if you're stopping eating at 7, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 is your breakfast time or meal one, if that's confusing. And so you're having a little something there, trying to aim for 20 to 40 grams of protein, produce in there. Then your next meal, again, these don't have to be huge meals, but the next time you eat, again, thinking about protein and produce. And then again, finally, closer to 6 or 7 p.m., you're thinking about that final meal. 
because you don't want to become just like a random snacker in your eating window uh, because that really doesn't get you enough nutrition for holistic health. So, yes, you could lose weight, but what's happening to cholesterol and blood pressure and blood sugars and everything? So you still want to have balanced meals in your eating window, um, Mm. and you just might want to call meal one, meal two, meal three. Mary, you're on WGN with Don. What can we do for you? Hi, Don. Thank you for taking my call. Yeah. I um I buy these. I like to use these steamer vegetables in the vet in the plastic bags that you just throw in the microwave. How healthy is that for you? Are there are any chemicals in those bags that you have to worry about when you're steaming your vegetables? Hey, listen. I love those. I think they are one of the greatest inventions ever because you do not have to cut or clean the vegetables. You do not even have to get out a bowl. People are eating so many more vegetables because of these frozen bags. I'm all for them. I think it's it's just a genius idea also because they're in your freezer. And people are saying, oh, I would eat vegetables, but I go in my fridge and I don't have any. Or they're all rotten by the time I get there. And you can always have these frozen vegetables on hand. So I love stock up. Feel good about it and enjoy them. Great idea. Are canned beans okay? Which are the best options? Oh, my gosh. Canned beans are a lifesaver. And here's why. When you look at the ingredients of canned beans, it really is only beans, water, and they, you may buy the version with salt. That's fine. Um, but if you rinse and drain the canned beans, about 40, 40 40% of the sodium washes down the drain. Wow. Or you can buy wow. no-salt-added beans. And the beans we're talking about are not green beans. I'm not saying go get green beans. Uh, these are more of those starchy beans, like the garbanzo beans, the pinto beans, the kidney beans, the white cannellini beans. All of those more starchy beans uh, is those legume families. Even lentils actually fall in this. And they sell lentils, you know, um, in the produce department already steamed, um, which are, those are delicious. And if you've never had lentil tacos, oh, my gosh, they're the best. Okay. But all of those kinds of beans count as great types of beans. And canned are an amazing time saver and very good for you. 773 said, I know Don loves legumes. What are Don's thoughts <laughs> on pasta made from red lentil flour? The only ingredient. Is that as beneficial as eating lentils? Okay, that's another great um, product that has come out. So in addition to those frozen vegetable bags, I love these new, whether it's red lentil pastas or garbanzo bean pastas, there's black bean pastas, lentil, all sorts of different kinds of legume-type pastas. They give you more fiber and more protein than a typical pasta. So I think it's great. If you enjoy the taste of them, definitely buy them. Um, However, you have to know that it is still getting uh, regular beans, you know, like the canned beans in your diet, is still very much a goal. So I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, because you eat that pasta now, you do not have to have any, you know, uh, edamame or gumma. But they are really a great thing to have in your cabinet. And I'll say, especially for people who are doing like meatless meals, and like I grew up and we would eat pasta and sauce. That is a very low-protein meal, baby. Like, no. If you do the noodles that are made out of legumes, like we're talking about the beans and the lentil pasta, that's a great way to get a sort of a plant-based meal quickly on the table that still actually has protein in it. 11.55, maybe time for one or two more questions. Jamie, you go next. You're on WGN with Don. What can we do for you? Hi, yeah, so you mentioned eggs was a great source of protein. By the way, I love the show. Thank you. Um, How many grams of protein are in, you know, a hard-boiled egg? 
Okay, so here's, a, I think this is shocking news for a lot of people. You are right that eggs are a source of protein. One egg has six grams of protein. So even somebody who's having a couple of eggs in the morning are really still only getting about a 12 gram of protein breakfast. Yeah, but I have so 10. I, I have 10 eggs every morning. <laughs> well, here's what I will say. I encourage people to keep it to that about two eggs in the morning, and it's a great opportunity to stir in broccoli or spinach or other vegetables into your eggs. I love that. And then pairing it with something like a little container of Greek yogurt that usually has about 15 plus grams of protein with some berries sort of rounds out that meal to give it even more protein. Some people are really big lately in taking their um, eggs and putting cottage cheese in it. It's sort of like almost like ricotta cheese, but mm-hmm. that also picks up the protein of that morning. Or if you're somebody who doesn't eat eggs and you're more along the vegetarian or vegan line, I love and I'm not just saying this. I mean, I really love tofu scramble. Tofu, especially um, certain versions, are very high in protein. And you can get an extremely high protein uh, breakfast out of a um, tofu scramble. I know it sounds a little like alternative and crunchy, but it really is delicious. Don Jackson Blattner, you know, you can hire her for your family or your business, too. Um, you can visit donjacksonblattner.com and on Instagram. Everybody loves her, DJ Blattner. Will you visit with us next Thursday at this time? I would love to. Thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to hear her, isn't it? What are you doing right now? Do this next Thursday. Be here for that. She's like this every time.